Welcome, my friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you today. And we're going to come back to the subject of spiritual leadership within the church. And certainly the church is crying out for godly leaders that uh, subscribe and qualify to the requirements laid out in Timothy and Titus. And uh, it's interesting that in this time where we're having this discussion, uh, one of our mentees is in studio with me. Kazuki Maeda is with me today and uh, been really worked with you for maybe two to three years now, Kazuki, almost every day. I guess it's maybe three, four days a week. And uh, but but that's not the subject. We're not going to talk to you or about you. We're going to talk about the subject of being qualified and preparing for spiritual leadership. And I want to focus in upon self-control and sexual purity as well. And for this discussion, I'm bringing my brother in on this, Tim Swanson, my dear brother, who's a missionary in the Philippines, and he's been on this program before. But one of the things that we're excited about is he's got a new book out called Victorious Living, now available at Amazon. But again, Tim Swanson is joining me now, clear from the Philippines, to talk about this really important subject. Tim, welcome. Welcome back. It's good to have you with us. Hey, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, and happy birthday. You just turned, what was it, 49? Yeah, just 49. You're my little brother still. You're still my little brother after all these years. Yeah, Just haven't caught up with me. Okay. All right. So, Tim, let's talk about preparation for ministry. And qualifications for ministry, uh, Timothy and Titus, you you wrote this section on sexual purity and ministry, which part of it is in victorious living. It's essential that uh, an elder, a leader, a pastor of a church have, well, the, he's the husband of one wife. His children are believing children, not having a reputation for being wild or rebellious, et cetera, et cetera, blameless a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy. One of the key words, though, that you bring into this article is that he's got to be disciplined, self-disciplined. Yeah, well, it says that he must live a devout and disciplined life. And, you know, the Greek for that word disciplined life means mastered from within, which is really key. If you're mature and you're mastered from within, you can walk into a lot of situations and be successful spiritually. But if you're not mastered from within, if you're still weak or growing inside, it's going to be difficult. And and that means not just in terms of the the resistance to temptation, the temptation of sexual sin, but also just a self-discipline about the positive things that we're applying ourselves to, as in, you know, being disciplined in a devotional life, in a prayer life, and putting on the whole armor of God and being ready for the evil day, for that engaging of spiritual warfare, that, that takes discipline, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the biblical life is actually positive, like you mentioned, putting on yeah. and having a, a great godly lifestyle. Yeah, and that's a constant thing. That's a consistent thing. It has to be a habitual thing. Talk to me about how that developed in your life. I mean, that wasn't the way you were at 26 years of age, right? I mean, this is something that you had to grow into. And I'm, I'm really, I'm bringing Kazuki in on this as well, because he really is interested in ministry. In fact, the whole way back from one of our ministry meetings this afternoon, we just talked about what it is to prepare for marriage, what it is to prepare for ministry. So how, how does a young person prepare? How, how does a young person get to the point where he's got this self-discipline? 
Well, I think it has to do with patterns in your life, a pattern of godliness. And those patterns are developed by little things that you do to arrange your life. So do you take time to do quiet time? Yeah. A lot of people take time to study, to do, you know, to preach or to teach. But do you take the time to spend uh, with, with the Lord every day? You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like uh, if you're, if you're, if you're married and you never talk to your wife except for when you're going to preach, it's just awkward. You know, your <laughs> relationship's not that great. Right. Right. Got it. Right. Okay. Well, now this idea of being self-willed, what is that? What's the idea of being self-willed? Because that's included in verse seven of Titus chapter one. Well, the idea of being self-willed, I think, is, is being in command. You're in the command, in the control center of your soul. And so your soul, you know, is, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that's where kind of most things are interfacing. You know, that's how you interface with the world spiritually, physically. And so being in control of that, and that's the difficult place is to have the godly habits to be in control of your, of your soul. So, for example, David commands his soul to worship. So, you know, you're in command of your soul in worship, in taking time to read the Bible. A lot of people don't really spend time, I think, reading the Bible, just anecdotally, just people I know and myself. And one of the things that's really set me free for reading the Bible is spending time with my wife every morning. We read the Bible together, and then we pray together. And that level of accountability and transparency is really helpful especially if you want to become a leader. So for a single person, that would be spending time together with other believers reading the Bible and praying, but also spending time every day with the Holy Spirit praying. Now, before you you know, bring somebody into the leadership of the church, it's essential that they be tested, they're ready to go. Paul at one point said, you know, be careful that you don't lay hands too quickly. I mean, don't, don't just... And if there is a mistake that I've made in my life, it would be to lay hands too quickly upon somebody, you know, in leadership and anxious to get people involved, but you can be too rushed with this, can't you? Yeah. Well, the problem that we have is pride, I think, and self-worth. And a lot of times, you know, if I'm the most important voice in the conversation, that's indicative of a problem inside. And so young people and people who haven't been I guess, aren't in control of who they are, tend sometimes to operate in pride. You know, we feel like we have to save the world. We feel like we have to convince people because they're wrong or they they really need what we have. And as you grow in, I guess, grow up in understanding what God has for people is that sometimes you don't have to be the Savior. Uh, You can just be someone who helps the Savior. Well, yeah, exactly. The, the salvation of the world was well taken care of by somebody else. Uh, doesn't really need you, except that you're a minister and a servant that uh, that he uses. Uh, yeah, it's interesting as you bring out pride because I think that that is really something that affects young people. Paul warns about you know not bringing a novice in lest he fall into pride and give into the trap of the devil. In fact, this is the one way I put it before is that pride can open the door to the devil. Does that make sense? That's, that's the yeah. way he gets in. Yeah. Well, pride blinds you so that suddenly you believe that everything you think is correct. And that's how the, the devil gets into a lot of people is through their thoughts. He throws a thought in there, and then you think, oh, that's a great thought. That's my thought. Of course it's my thought. Of course I'm right. 
So pride opens the door to accepting the, I guess, the ideas that are semi-biblical and need to be discerned and found that, oh, that's not true. Let's talk about the problem of sexual sin, because uh, this is massive in this country. I'm sure it's every country, you know, the temptation of sexual sin. The, 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 the major temptations to men are probably sexual sin, money, and power, right? And, and, and the yes. conflicts that surround those issues. But sexual sin's a biggie, and, uh, and, and it can be a problem for people in ministry. I'm sure you've seen this before. First yeah. problem, people hide their addictions. Okay, what's the problem with that? Well, the thing about sexual sin is that it affects other people. Generally, it affects the person you're being sexually sinning with. Uh, if, if it's pornography, it will affect you and then affect your marriage. It affects, so it affects other people. Sexual sin also affects the, your relationship with the Holy Spirit. So, what was your question again? The question is, uh, why is it important that uh, that this uh, be yeah, open? Visibility. You know, and I, I guess what I'm saying is, why is it important in a fundamental sense that every young man, doesn't matter whether you're in ministry or not, be open with their sinful habits, be 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 ready to confess, be, have that transparency going on? in their spiritual walk? Why is that so essential? Well, it's essential because there are two reasons. One is that, that Satan works in secrecy. So whenever he can isolate and create a pocket of secrecy in your life, then things get can go sideways. The second reason why is because for you to be clean with the Holy Spirit, you have to walk in the light. And as you walk in the light and confess your sins and walk in fellowship, then the blood of Christ cleanses you. And you experience freedom in those areas. But as long as you have secrecy, it's really difficult to handle it yourself. For example, handling yourself is the reason why you're in the fix, probably. You know, you thought you could handle this. Mm-hmm. Now you can't. Now you're having a problem. Right. So now you, you know, doing the same thing that created a problem is probably not going to help you. But getting the help and being transparent. Is there any way to know if somebody is walking in the light or perhaps hiding their sins, avoiding transparency. Is there any way to know that? Well, I can't think of a Bible verse right now, but probably time together and praying for the Holy Spirit to give you the discernment if there's something going on with this person. So another thing, you can just ask questions. I found that a lot of people who are involved in something they don't want to be involved in if you ask the right question, it's like a relief. Wow, you know, someone asked me the question. It's like inviting them out into the light. Like, hey, come on out into the light with the rest of us. Like, the relief. Oh, okay. Can I come out? Mm -hmm. One thing I think is that you don't need to share a bunch of your own gruesome stories. You can just ask a question about how someone's doing. You know, ask them, what's going on in your life with this relationship you're having? Mm -hmm. Are you guys spending the night together? Mm -hmm. How's it going on your phone? You know, and the other thing is that if you're around someone, you can kind of get a sense of what they're doing on their phone quite a bit. You can see what kind of music they're listening to. Um, so you can, if you're around people enough, you can kind of start seeing. The other thing about lust is that the spirit of lust doesn't just manifest in in sexual lust. The spirit of lust, if it's attacking somebody, 
it's going to manifest in self-promotion. It'll manifest in an ability, inability for them to concentrate on their quiet time. It'll, in a, it'll manifest in, uh, in a, a, like a driving force within that person. They'll start to become less interested in Christ and more interested in, in whatever the topic is that they like. So this self-promotion lust will manifest in other ways. Right. If they're having a secret sexual lust, it will manifest itself in other ways that you can see. And, you know, spiritual life is just one long battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so you got somebody, you've got, you know, somebody in the pastorate or somebody who's looking into leadership or just, you know, some brother in Christ. And and you say, well, so how's the battle going? And he gives you that blank stare. That's That's a problem, right? At that point, you're like, is this guy really alive and struggling and fighting the good fight? Well, I, I think that people are asleep to the battle because they believe that it's the, it's them. They believe it's their flesh. They think, Oh, I have these lustful thoughts because it's my flesh. I need to crucify my flesh. And they end up hating themselves and feeling guilty about themselves, but actually they're engaged in a battle. But because they've, decided that they don't have no enemy except for themselves that they're actually dealing with, then they fight themselves, but they're fighting their own enemy. It's really ineffective. So they're not just fighting the flesh. They're fighting the devil. And, and the world has its influences. But you, you believe the devil has a major part in this. Yeah, they work in concert. So the flesh, I believe, I don't believe has a mind. I believe the flesh is a general rebellion against God and, and general pride. That's just my belief. But satanic spirits have a mind. And so if you start working and you're finding in your life that these plans are playing out in your life to get you into sin, uh, that's not your flesh, I don't believe. So your flesh should be crucified. And that's taking up your cross every day and following Christ and saying no to yourself and saying yes to godliness. But when you have, a, if you have a myriad of unwanted thoughts, if suddenly someone someone has a real attraction to you, or if you are like the most popular person all of a sudden with a group of people, well, you're dealing with a spiritual battle. And the third thing is the world, obviously. If you're pouring in the secular music, watching the violent, violent movies, and watching movies about, uh, you know, false gods, pagan gods that show up, superheroes if you're filling your life with pagan ideas and sexualized images then that ties right into the rebellion of your flesh and also pride and also that ties into the attacks of the devil so yeah. it works they work in concert yeah and one of the things i don't think people understand is that the the media is like a medium now we all know what a medium is right <laughs> a, yeah. a medium is somebody who channels demons into a room or yes. into others well, the media can work that way, as I see it. Not not that all media is bad. We're using media today to communicate a message, but I think people need to understand that there is media that that can just bring evil spirits right into your home. You believe that, Tim? Yeah, and um, people experience that, but they uh, they think uh, it's just me and my computer, or just me and my phone, but it's not. Yep. And so they open up a door yep. to a demonic spirit of of lust that now is living with them and you know it's like their roommate and it reminds them and 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 you know is arranging things around them so that people feel attracted to them or so that they feel compelled there's 
an author, I don't remember his name, but calls it a weighted will. That suddenly your will is weighted towards this thing that you maybe didn't have a problem with before, but now you kind of like this have this pushing on your will. And you're like, man, I'm always being drawn into this sin. I can't get victory. And that's a sign of a demonic spirit that you've invited in probably through watching the wrong movie or it could have just been where, you, where you're at in your life. Yeah. Um, so so how, how do we combat? How, how do you put on the whole armor of God and combat this with the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, prayer, and all of these weapons? Well, I, the first thing you need to do is start being honest with yourself about who you are. Number one, what your behavior is like, if it's acceptable, if it's godly, and if you're satisfied with that, and if God's satisfied with that. I think that's the first thing is be honest. Look at and see what's happening in your life. Evaluate. Yeah. And then after that, we bring out the word of yeah. God. We engage in, in prayer. There, There's an opposition to these certain spirits as well that uh, that identify themselves with these particular sins. we got to resist the devil, however he presents himself to us. Well, you know, it does say that you should humble yourself and submit to God, and that's a lifestyle. And resisting the devil can also be a lifestyle when he shows up. So the freedom was purchased for you on the cross, but when you apply that, those weapons, you've experienced the freedom. And so freedom is part of sanctification, I believe. Walking in godliness is part yeah. of sanctification because you're identified as a saint and a saint is not someone who should be addicted to pride, lust, or pornography, or fall into sexual sin. A saint should be someone who is reflecting the family resemblance, child of God. So that's something that it, as you get to know God and who you are as a saint, your identity in Christ, you start to see there's some things that don't belong. And those things that don't belong will have roots and so you have to look at the roots. It's not as simple as just saying, well, I'm dealing with lust today. Well, that lust has a root. So you try to find the root. Where did that root come in? Did it come in when I was 15 or 9? Or is it something my grandpa and grandma struggled with? Trying to find the root of where it comes from. And when you find the start to find the root, the person that will help you find the root is the Holy Spirit. You should just ask him. And he will, over either instantly or over a period of time, will show you this is where this stuff's coming from. And so then uh, repenting of that, with the Lord repenting. If you don't repent of your sin, you won't be victorious over any kind of spiritual warfare. Because uh, it, your own sin is, like you said, it's like a medium or a door for something to affect you. So your sin is like an invitation, like a welcome mat. So if you can imagine you're walking down to, up to your friend's house and it says, keep out. Or you walk up and the door's open and it has a welcome mat. So sin is a welcome mat, an open door for for demonic oppression. I want to go through these. I want to go through these principles of maintaining sexual purity, especially for young men and those who will prepare themselves for ministry or those who qualify themselves for ministry. You talk about being visible and accountable, the humble learner leading the organization, not giving way to anger and pride. We've talked about that. You also talk about building boundaries. What's that? Yeah, so building boundaries is a lifestyle of creating uh, maybe almost like a limitation in your life. It's a it's the problem with building boundaries is people don't want to because they're they're pride. They really feel like they should be able to do whatever they want. And so building boundaries is saying, No, for the good of my godliness, 
I'm going to build, put a fence on, around my property. And so building a boundary is, is as simple as making a commitment to read your Bible every day or making a commitment to not be alone with someone who is of, of the opposite sex or making a commitment not to, not to counsel somebody without, if your, if your wife isn't there who's uh, counseling a young woman or making a commitment not to uh, carpool with a single woman if you're a single guy. Just making a commitment that will create a situation where you are not in a vulnerable place. I think Job said, I've, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman. And then another passage speaks of, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. Paul says, it is not good for a man to touch a woman. And, and you know, the, that word touch isn't so much of a just glancing somebody's elbow with your elbow. It's a meaningful, pressing touch upon them. So, obviously, there are boundaries involved with touching, boundaries involved with, uh, with the mind, right? Mental boundaries, yeah. those are critical. Well, the mental boundaries is where, you know, you have to take control of your thoughts. And to go back to the demonic thing, if you're being tormented or enticed or you have repetitive, unwanted thoughts that are highlighting opportunities for, for sin or highlighting an inappropriate relationship, then you're under spiritual attack. And so being in control of your mental boundaries, taking every thought captive, having a strong mind that you've already been given, 2 Timothy 1.7, and also being able to, to be honest with the Lord and say, this is what I'm feeling, and then vocalizing spirit of lust in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce you, leave now. So one of the things that people are reticent to do is to tell the devil to leave. Uh, Satan... Jesus had no problem telling Satan to get behind him. Mm-hmm. And so people have a, a reticent to do that. But if you're under a spiritual attack, you need just need to say quietly, in Jesus' name, spirit of lust, leave now. I will right not now. countenance this th- these thoughts. I will not receive these thoughts. I reject these thoughts and just resist the devil at that point. Another point, another illustration that I came up with, this would have been a couple months ago that really helped me, and I think it's helped a few others, is that you know, I challenge young men that if you've got a house and and you leave all the doors open and all the riffraff from the neighborhood come in and they just soil the whole place, they trash it, they come in and out of it, they, you know, just just make a mess out of it. They break all your dishes, they eat all your food, they leave all their garbage in the living room. You don't allow for that, right? I mean, you're saying that well, this is my house. You can't come in here. You we shut the door. To the riffraff, right? I mean, that's what we do. If we own the house, we control the house, and you don't get to come into the house and do whatever you want in this house. The mind is similar to this. You've got your mind. You can shut the door. You can say no to to stray thoughts and to you know false spirits that are coming in and and deceiving and 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 doubt giving doubts and discouraging thoughts to you and, and sexual thoughts and tempting thoughts and such. But you gotta, you gotta own it. You gotta control it. So I think that illustration has helped me, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, you're, you're, you're right. And sometimes there's a closed door, and you open the door, and there's still a bunch of mess in there. And that's the thing about to bring it back to sexual sin is that people keep a, a, they keep the rest of the house clean, but there's a door that's open on Saturday night that in that room it's dirty. So you have to go through and clean all of your rooms out. And then you have to keep them clean. And one of the reasons why people have a problem is that 
Jesus said that, you know, you get rid of that one demon and then you have a nice clean house. And then when it, it comes back with its friends, it's all ready for them to party. And so that's the thing is that filling. Yeah. Filling yes. is a really important right. point. Right. So fighting. So bring, bring your good friends in and keep the riffraff out is what you're saying. Yeah. So fill with the word of God. And one of the things about the, about the sword of the spirit is that it's, it's okay to speak it out loud. It's the spoken word. And the spoken word makes a big difference for you yourself emotionally and mentally, as well as the spiritual atmosphere that you're wrestling in. So speaking the word of God out loud. So let's say you're feeling lust. Then you say out loud, I have made a covenant with my heart not to look upon a young woman. Yes. So you, you have those verses ready that you think out, that you think out loud. Or, or let's say you're having some, some bad thoughts about someone. You know, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God and Christ forgave you. Like, you know, this is, these yeah. are the things you're speaking Absolutely. out loud. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speak them out loud. Mm-hmm. It cuts like a knife. Yes. And it, it changes the atmosphere. It also changes your own perspective of you as a child of God. You start to remember, no, I'm a child of God. I'm not a slave to this stuff. I don't have to sit here and, and be tormented or I don't have to be, this is not for me. Yeah, it's, are- it's extraordinary how quickly the devil can leave tempting thoughts depart if you could just bring out the truth, speak it out loud, speak the word of God, the condemning spirit. I think about this as well. Go directly to Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, so, That's a good you know, come out with the verse, say it out loud to the brother or sister there, say it out loud to your wife. Engage the battle is what we're saying today, friends. Use the sword of the Lord for these uh, these battles. You also get prayer help. That's critical. You know, uh, be open. Say, hey, we're in spiritual warfare. This is all-out spiritual attack. It's been happening all day. We need to pray. Just saying that can disempower the enemy and 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 get you stronger. Now, Tim, let's draw all this together. What is it that makes for someone qualified for leadership in the church? What what is in all of this? Is it that they're consistent, that they're disciplined, that they are, you know, they're 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 ready for warfare, they're engaged the warfare, they're not giving in to these serious temptations, and they're standing steadfast, and they're an example to the flock in this. It's true. Well, the word that comes to mind for me is sober. And sober isn't not being able to joke. Sober is an attitude of vigilance right? and an attitude of re- reality. And so sober is someone who understands their own difficulties and their own precarious nature because we are precarious. You think about the people who fall in ministry. They're usually the people who, you know, we read their books, we respect them. They kind of have it all together. And then they fall and you're like, what in the world? At because nobody knows why, but sometimes I think it's because they had it all together, and so when they weren't being transparent. They weren't being transparent. They appeared to be that way, but they really weren't walking in the light and 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 maintaining it, accountable relationships. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So what happens is when you become really successful, and you're the one that's preaching all the time, or you're the one that's leading, you become important to that organization you're being important and sometimes you create relationships around you that are level and so then you're the top level 
and people have a hard time communicating with you about intimate issues because right. you're at the top level. Right. So it's better to try to keep this Jesus's attitude, which was, I'm going to serve you and I'm here to serve you and the least will be the greatest mm-hmm. instead of the greatest is the greatest. Mm-hmm. So, Meaning, um, yeah. that sober mindset, I think is important. And then the, the, the relationship boundaries, keeping those relationships, those safety zones around you. And when you, if you're a pastor and you have a wife, um, keeping your wife in the loop. So yeah. you have to take the time to talk to your wife about these problems that you have or the temptations that you face. And that could take a six months or a year because she has to process through what it is you're telling her that because the devil doesn't attack with, with, you know, candy canes and chocolate, the devil attacks with disgusting, sick stuff. He's, he's not trying to uh, take you down with, you know, take you out for ice cream. He wants you to do, be attacked with disgusting stuff. So if you're in ministry, you may be attacked with disgusting stuff and sharing that with your brothers is important. But eventually, I think you need to get to a level where you can share it with your wife um, because she's the one that that will take all of the power out of those attacks by by speaking out against it and taking the secrecy out. Mm -hmm. So especially Mm -hmm. about anything that has to do with sexual things. The other thing is that I think people need to be honest about sexuality like if uh, if I'm having an issue with like suddenly I feel attracted to another man, that may not be like a lifestyle gender thing I'm having to deal with. That could be something that is a spiritual attack. Um, so I'm saying like these things can happen. And so if you're vigilant about it and you start being realistic, like something is I'm under attack. This is happening. Let me talk to my, my fellow pastor. Let me talk to my wife and starting to be honest about what you're experiencing and then taking it back to the word. Is this real for me? Is this my reality? Maintain tight accountabilities. So, be vigilant. Be humble. Confess your sins. These are the basics. These are the basics. And as leaders, let's do the basics well. I think that's the point, Tim. One more thing is, is to be able to neutralize triggers. And one of the things is that people have triggers to things that they did in the, in the past. And you mentioned the accusing spirit, condemning spirit. And so if you're feeling accused by something that you already confessed, it's probably false guilt. So you need to tell it to leave. Spirit of false guilt, accuser, leave now in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm, I'm not condemned anymore in that sin that you're reminding me of when I was you know, seven years old or ten. And so neutralizing, saying I renounce the trigger of that memory you know, when I was 13 in Jesus' name. It has no power over me. So taking the neutralizing things in Jesus' name, saying that doesn't have, that triggers any power over me anymore. Apply the word, confess your sins. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died. These are the basics. Again, we're coming back to the basics. Kazuki, are you learning something? Okay, good. Uh, We don't have a whole lot of time left, but, uh, but let me just recommend this article that Tim put together. It's called Sexual Purity in Ministry. So if anybody's interested in some of the things we've talked about. It's an extensive paper that he wrote, and he gave me permission to hand it out to anybody who's interested. Again, Tim Swanson has been my guest. It's my brother, my blood brother, and my brother in Christ has been with me on this edition. And uh, the title of the article is Sexual Purity in Ministry. Again, it's available to anybody who wants a copy of it. Just simply email me at host at generations.org that's host at generations.org for a copy 
of this article. Tim Swanson is the author of a new book called Victorious Living, and he has been my guest on this edition of the program. Tim, thanks. It's been good. Well, I just wanted to end with something that you, this came from something you were preaching on a long time ago. Oh, okay. Said, it's, it's good to add that then. You can throw that one in. The, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Uh, and I remember you preaching on this and this really impacted me a few years ago. The ruler of this world is coming and he has no place in me in one of the virgins. And that's the thing is that Jesus was godly and he experienced spiritual attacks. And so the godly man will be attacked. But the question is, are you maintaining a righteous walk? Does the ruler of the world have a place in you? Does he have a power over your acclaiming you? If you have a godly walk, he does not. And so that's the important thing is maintaining that godly walk and remembering the ruler of the world is coming, but he has nothing in you. Tim Swanson on Generation. Again, if you'd like a copy of that article, it's uh, just simply email me at host at generation.org. The article is Sexual Purity in Ministry. Tim, thanks. It's been good. Thanks a lot, my friend. And you have been listening to the Generations Radio Broadcast. If you'd like to interact with the radio program, email me directly at host at kevinswanson.com. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. <laughs>